0: Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This morning we're starting a new series that we're uh, excited about, glad that you're a part of, and it's called Greater. Everybody say Greater. 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 So stand with me this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to turn and open up in the book of uh, John, chapter number 14. We're going to start with verse 12. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll put it on the, the Sky Bible for you. And it says this, starting in verse number 12. It says, I tell you the truth that anyone who has faith in me. Now listen, that word faith is a loaded word because we think we understand what faith is. But I don't know if we always understand what faith is. Faith is believing in something you don't know. You don't already know. Does that make sense? So it's... Believing in something you don't know because you don't know what you don't know, right? And if you don't know it, then it takes faith to believe it. But if you already know it, then you don't need faith. Does that make sense? So he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith, who believes what you don't know in me uh, and what I've been doing, you'll do what I've been doing. And he will do even greater. Everybody say greater. Greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now, God, Lord, that you continue to, to uh, direct our paths, that you'll lead us, God, that you'll guide our footsteps as, as children of God. Father, but I pray this morning for a fresh revelation, a divine appointment with the Holy Spirit, God, that that a light bulb will go off in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit. And we'll understand what this word for today, this word for this season, greater, means in our life. How it is applicable in my life and how it will begin to manifest in everything that I do. And so we thank you, Lord, for this word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shout out, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Listen, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm believing God for greater. God. Come on, say it. I'm believing God for greater, greater love, greater peace, greater joy, greater things. Do you believe that? Yeah. I'm believing that, and maybe you're not believing that, and I don't know why anyone in their right mind would not believe God for greater, because I want greater. I don't care how good you got it. I want greater. I expect greater from God, because I know I serve a great God. I think this is how we should start off every day, uh, looking at ourselves in the mirror, Okay, now, I know some of you, you've got to do some stuff before you can really look at yourself. Because you wake up and you look in the mirror and you go, oof, oh, I do that. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, man, this is rough. And then I fix myself up and I look back in the mirror and I go, oh, it didn't help at all. <laughs> but uh, sometimes we just need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am believing God for greater for me this morning. Greater. Today. I'm believing that. That's how we should send our kids to school in the morning. Amen? Yeah. That you should wake up with your kids in the morning and you tell them before they head off school. I don't know what today's going to be like. I don't know what this year is going to be like. But this is what I declare over you. That I'm believing God for greater in your life. In this season. The word for the exchange today and over the next few weeks. And we're going to unpack this. Is greater. Greater. Everyone say greater. We're going to say that a lot today, greater, greater, greater. I came here to tell you that God has has called you to something greater. God is conspiring in heaven to give you something greater, to make life greater for you. And you have to understand that when we say conspiring in heaven, that means that God has a greater plan for you. And it's not just to sit back and just chill and relax. But God is expecting something greater in your life. And I'm I'm in a good season in my life right now. You know, I've had... Many, many ups and many, many downs. And I've stood in the, in the pulpit in God's uh, honor chair and had to bring the gospel in some low valleys in my life. And so I've had many ups and many downs. Right now, I feel like I'm in a good season. And as I speak this word over my life, I get excited to think that there's even a better season than this. There, God even has greater things for me than this But when I say the word greater, I want you to make sure that you're not hearing something that I'm not saying. Okay, so when we think greater, a lot of times we read this verse and it says, um, and even greater things will you do than these because I go to the Father. And we think, so I'm going to do greater things than those, because he goes to the Father. He's talking about full-time ministry. He's talking about pastors and missionaries, people who are going to do greater things. Jesus did the work of the ministry, and so we think greater is maybe full-time ministry, and that's not true. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying in this text. A lot of times we hear that word greater, and immediately we think better, okay? Maybe if I'm... Maybe if I, if I listen to God, if I'm in the right position, God's going to give me greater, which we think is better. God will graduate me. Maybe, maybe one day he'll call me into full-time ministry. And then I can be like those pastors and missionaries who are going to do greater things. God's saying, listen, I'm calling you right where you are to do greater things. He's not calling you to do anything different. He's calling you to do the same thing you're doing, but do it in a different way, with a new sense of passion, with a new sense of purpose, with a new understanding that God has a greater plan for me right where I'm at. Right where I'm at. I don't have to go chasing God and trying to find where God's moving. Sometimes, some of you, when I say God has greater for you this morning, immediately you grabbed hold of that word and you said, thank God because I hate my job. I want a better job. Uh Right? Sometimes? Nobody? Me? Nobody? Okay. Just, I see a few of us, we get that and we we get that confused. I want a better job. or, Or you know what? I could use a better husband. Don't you dare say amen. (laughs) I will turn this mic off. Listen, God may not be calling you to quit your current job for better, but he's calling you to show up at your current job with a greater sense of destiny, a greater sense of passion, a greater sense of purpose. God has you there for a reason. Do you believe that? I mean, you may not always like your job, but God has called you as a child of God to be where you're at for a very specific reason. And he's asking you to to step out and to grab hold of that purpose and that reason and understand that he has greater for you there. God may not be calling you to leave your husband and find a better one. Maybe he's calling you to engage your husband's heart with a greater love so that he becomes better than ever before. Better than he even thought he had the potential to be because of your greater love towards him. Maybe he's not calling you something new, but he's calling you to step out from where you are. Okay, this message is not necessarily about better, but it's understanding that God has great. And he has a great calling that he's sending out to all of his believers who settle down into this mundane, mediocre, just complacent place in the church. God has not called us to be complacent and mediocre and mundane. God has called us to be great and greater and the, the greatest voice in our nation should be the church. Because we have the greatest thing working for us, and that's who God is. He wants you to know that he has greater for you. So we're going to start off this morning with a passage, and it comes out of 2 Kings. A lot of you know uh, uh, this story, and especially the stories that it follows up on. But 2 Kings chapter 3, it says this, starting in verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah, the king of Edom, and after around about March, seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us in the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we could acquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha. Son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. At this point of the story, when I read this story, I'm a I'm a visual. I paint pictures in my mind. I, everything just, you know, that's the way I think. That's the way I process. So when I read this, I read it like this. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord, or it says this: this Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour. Water on the hands of Elijah. I imagine the three kings going, oh, Elijah. Oh, looking at each other. That was a, that was a good prophet. Elijah, he was a good prophet. I know Elijah. Elijah, yeah. Eli- he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Really? Elijah was the man. Elijah was the man, right? They're high fire. You remember Elijah? I remember Elijah. Yeah, I remember Elijah. Remember what he did to the prophets of ba- Oh, dude, do I remember. He called fire to. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. And, uh, Mount Carmel, you know, Mount Carmel, he'd run, pick up his skirt. and yeah. Elijah, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. What did you say his name was? Yeah. Eli- who? Eli- Elisha. 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 Elisha, Elisha. Okay, okay, I'm with you. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So let me explain what's going on in this story. Now, Elisha is now the prophet for God and for the children of God. Okay, so now now he's the mouthpiece. His spiritual father was Elijah... And Elijah did some amazing things. In fact, Elijah tells him, at one point he says, look, if you see me when I go, if you keep your eyes on me, then I'm going I'm to pass my anointing onto you, a double portion anointing onto you. I'm going to leave my mantle for you. And Elijah is taken up, the Bible says. Elisha sees him taken up, and his mantle falls. Elisha picks up his mantle, and he has this powerful double anointing okay so that's what's going on but uh the kings of Israel they're out to battle and they've run into something that they don't expect to happen they're they're attacking these three kings joined together and they've decided to attack some people who've rebelled against them and all of a sudden they find themselves in a battle that they weren't expecting uh to be so difficult they were expecting to win it pretty easily and all of a sudden they're backed into a corner Have any of you ever been in this point where you felt like now that everything's working in your favor, that uh, everything's going to be good, everything's going to be smooth, something has happened in your life, and uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they had a word of God prophesied over them uh, a year or two ago that this new, I don't remember the exact word, but the new chapter or new season was coming. And they told me just the other day, they said, it's here. Finally, we've been waiting for over a year. Finally, the season is here. Have you ever felt like that? Finally, I'm in a good place. Finally, things are working for me. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't. Like it stops. Like it's not quite as it. Maybe some of you came into 2018 in January and you're like, thank God 2017 is over. This is a brand new year. I am so glad that that is in the past. This is my year. Y'all ever say that? I say that every year about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> all the time, this is when everything changes. Uh, not, not all those words come to pass, but that's that's the word that I speak. And And maybe you felt like that, that this is my year. This is where everything changes. And then now you find yourself in August and you go, you know what? Everything's not where I thought it was going to be. This time, I thought that by this time, August 2018, I was... I was going to have this or this or God was going to be blessing me with this. And, and now that you're here, it's actually kind of gotten worse for you. That's kind of where these kings are. They're in a situation where in, they're in the desert on their way to attack the Moabites. And they run out of water while they're marching. They've been marching seven days. They're just running around over and over and over and over. And the situation has gotten so bad that finally they decided to turn to God. Isn't there somebody who knows God or isn't there, I mean, can't God do something about this? Can't we just, and if we're honest today, man, we do the same thing. We get to a point where we say things like, well, all we can do now is pray. Have you ever said that? Man, that's a like powerful telling statement right there. Well, we've done all we can done, okay? It's just done. It's just done, Okay. Everything that we can do, it's just done. All we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. And we've completely given up. That's kind of where they're at. They turn to God and they say, you know what? All we can do now is pray. Isn't there a God? Isn't there like a prophet or somebody who can go to God? And God's like, finally. Finally. Finally, it's about time that you just give me an opportunity. Put me in the game, coach. Put me in. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to make something happen. The kings are in a terrible circumstance, and the last thing they do is they turn to God. And you got to understand that uh, the kings of Israel had gotten so far away from God. Okay, They weren't like in this right relationship and this... Good uh, spiritual place with God. They were falling away from God. They didn't. They weren't with God. They weren't serving God, and that's why there's a point that they don't even know who Elisha is. Okay, Elisha has got double Elijah, and they have to bring up Elijah's name to figure out. So, isn't there somebody who can? Yeah, you remember Elijah? Well, he had a spiritual son named Elisha, and 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 God speaks through him. So they're at the they're at the bottom of the pit here and so they call upon Elisha and the kings call they go to him everything's falling apart and they go and they say Elisha we need you we need a miracle okay can you do a rain dance can you do something can you do something to make it rain my guys are thirsty so number one need is we just need rain we need water okay okay Listen, if you have a great need in your life, you need to understand that sometimes it's being in a place of desperation that brings your attention to the fact that you really need God. That's why some people at the very worst season of their life, they turn to God. It's because at that point they they have this realization that, you know what, I can't do this on my own. Because we operate so often on our own and in our own strength and our own power. We forget how involved God is in our life until we get to the end of our own strength and our own power. And then we see, you know what, we really need God. Sometimes the greatest uh, shortages and loneliness and depression and those greatest uh, down seasons in our life bring us to the greatest dependency upon God. So we pick up this story. So now you've got the new prophet Elisha. He gets his first chance to prophesy to the kings of Israel. So they don't know him. You got these three kings that are there. And so this is Elisha's big moment, this is his debut. Okay, this is the coming out party. I'm coming out. I want the world to. So I, I imagine that song's playing. Well, I don't even know who sings that. I don't know why, where that song came from. But that's a real song. And uh, so that song is playing. And Elisha's coming in. And the, the people part. You know, the crowds there and the people part. The three kings, they see Elisha coming. This is the big moment, okay? So he's probably thinking on the way, you know, he's got the three kings there that are are depending upon him. He hasn't had a chance to really formally introduce himself. They knew Elijah, his spiritual father. So this is the moment. So the crowd parts. He sees the three kings looking at him. He's walking towards them. <laughs> Slow motion. And on his way, he's doing what we would be doing. Okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What's my opening line? You know, he's practicing his opening line. My three kings. No, that's not it. Your majesty's. No, no, no. You no, know, I don't know. So he didn't know what to say. So he's he's walking, he gets up these three kings, and he this powerful word is about to come forth. And this is this is the like debut opportunity. This would be equivalent to like me being invited to the White House to pray over our nation and all of our leaders. Okay? This is a big deal. And this is his first opportunity to kind of make a big impression. And so the people part, and Elijah stands there before the three kings, he bows or they bow. I don't know what But they're there. In this moment, the whole crowd just shh. They're watching. The biggest stage ever. And Elisha says this. Why do you involve me? Go to the prophets of your mama and your daddy. Right? I mean, the... He gets up there, why would you call me? <laughs> call your prophets of the mama and your daddy, all those false prophets you've been serving. Why me? Really? That's his opening line? That's his first impression? That's what he goes with? I mean, CNN, Dateline, all of those, they're just, wow. Can you believe this is his opening line? This is what he says? You know, oh, the nerve, the nerve. Elisha needed a lesson in kuth. Okay, Because he didn't understand what this moment was. Elijah seems to have a little bit of an attitude on him. And, and he's like, oh, listen, now you want God in your life? Now you need, so you're calling me now. You're kind of in a tough situation. So now you want God to come in and do, have you ever wanted to say that to somebody? I, I have wanted to, and I have said that also to people. Oh, really, now? It's convenient that now you need God. Because you didn't need God last month and last year and the last three years. You didn't need God the last three marriages. Now, all of a sudden, you... hmm. I guess those false gods aren't working for you anymore, huh, King? In this story, there's a need that drives these men to God, and they need God. But Elisha doesn't necessarily tell them what they want to hear. He tells them what they need to hear. Okay? Okay? And I love that about Elisha. And the message that Elijah tells him is pretty much that only God can make it rain. You're out of luck. Because here's my word. Only God can provide what you need provided in your life. This is his message to them. In this season for the exchange, only God can do what we need God to do in our church. Only God can do in your marriage what you need to be done in your marriage. But we have to understand that it all starts with God being great. you believe that? Yeah. This is his whole message to these kings. It all starts with only God being great. And because God is in you and God is with you and God is for you, that makes you great. That makes everything that comes out of you great. That means that greatness is on the horizon. Because if He's great and He is in me and I am in Him and every pit of my being represents Him. Then great things are going to manifest themselves from my life. Because I am the righteousness of God. I am God in, in flesh. Now, that's a bad part to edit out and put on viral, you know. Somebody puts that. I'm always nervous about things people would put. You know, you can take messages, and somebody's going to take that one clip where it says, I am God, and they'll put that on viral. That's terrible. I don't know why that just popped in my mind, but listen. We are the manifestation of who God is. We are God's mouthpiece. So when, when God puts a word in our heart we begin to speak those words, it's as if God himself is speaking through us. And so this is where, where they are, is, is we need to understand that, first of all, it starts with God being great, and then God is in us, God is for us, God is with us, and so great things are manifested out of us. So in this story, watch what the reply is for the kings of Israel back to uh, Elisha. Now you got to remember, the kings, they're looking for a quick solution. They're looking for God to just come, drop the rain. I mean, they're, they need a quick fix. Uh, they're ready. This trouble has driven them uh, crazy. And so now they need God to come in and do something. And they're at the lowest part of their life. And so maybe this is the best place to be. So it's all about to start. And here's, what they, here's their reply when, when Elisha says, Why didn't you go and call the prophets of your mom and your daddy? They said, no, the king of Israel's, Israel's answered. Because it was the Lord who called those three kings to deliver us in the hands of Moab. That got whiny. Okay? No, we're not going to call on those prophets of Baal. We're not going to call on all those other false prophets that have come in and out and in and out and in and out of our nation's history. It was God who called us. And this is why he did it. He did it to deliver us in the hands of Moab. He set us up. It's all God's fault. And it's funny how God gets very little credit when things are going good. But he gets bulk of the blame when things are going bad. Right? We do that all the time. So now Elisha, as you might predict, he doesn't let this comment just slip by. So he, he doesn't console the poor king and start to wallow and pity with him and go, I know, I know. Because we as Christians, sometimes we do that. We wallow and we just feel sad and sorry. Listen, he says this. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, okay, and it's implied here, whom I serve, which you do not, okay. If I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, King of Judah, I would not even look at you or even notice you. Okay? What he's saying is you're lucky I'm even here. Okay? Because this God that I serve, that I serve, you're you're lucky that I'm here because I'm only here because I respect this guy. I respect this king, and since I respect this king, I'm here. Otherwise, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even notice I wouldn't even take your emails. I wouldn't respond to your letters, your phone calls. You would be nothing to me. Right after that, he says something that will just blow your mind, and he says this. But now, bring me the harpist. (laughs) Okay. See, if you break this up and you read it like that, none of it makes sense. Okay. This is his debut. He gets to like make an incredible first impression. Elijah did so many great things. And the first word out of his mouth is, uh, Why are you getting me involved? I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And then he goes on and he says, But you know what? The only reason I'm here is because I respect this guy. And I respect, bring me a harpist. <laughs> huh? And the other two kings are like, you know? Really? This, this is where we're at? Did you know what he just said? Bring me a harvest? Bring me a harpist, okay? The nation is about to die. They are dying of thirst in the desert. There is no water, okay? Men are laying out heat exhaustion. You think it's hot in Houston? You have not seen heat. These guys are burning in the desert. No water, no AC, okay? They don't go into their house that's set at 65 degrees or whatever, okay? It's just hot, no relief, and they're sitting out there in the in the burning heat, no water, And only God can do something about it. And Elisha says, fine, I'll help. Bring me a harpist. Blows your mind. It doesn't fit. Kind of strange. I mean, if he needed music, he could have asked for like a, bring me a harmonica. You know, that's smaller, fits in a pocket. You know, oh, you need a harmonica. You know, no problem. But a harpist? Have you ever seen somebody walk in with a harp? Okay. It's not like the easiest thing. It's not, you know, not a guitar strap. You walk in with your gear. Like, they walk in with a harp. They're, like, dragging it on the wagon, okay? So the harpist, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. He says, bring me a harpist. And now this seems funny in this story, but honestly, this was really common, okay? This happened all the time. You you saw it with with King Saul and David. Um, A lot of times... Uh, The prophets especially, they would uh, travel and they would have an accompaniment with musicians as they speak. And so you would see prophets often have musicians that would help facilitate the sensitivity to the presence of God. It didn't increase the presence of God. It just increased the sensitivity to the presence of God. Okay, So the harpist had nothing to do with the presence of God. It was just for Elisha. Okay, it was for Elisha to get in the moment, you know, to get in the mood. Y'all know what I'm talking about is you do it in your own car, right? You're going through a tough season. Have you ever been just having a tough day, a bad day, and nothing's going right, and you don't listen to KSBJ, you don't like the music, whatever, but all of a sudden you turn it on KSBJ for a minute, and your mood changes? You put it on something good, you change the CD or whatever, and all of a sudden it just changes? You feel different? Mm. Okay, what in the presence of God. It was the sensitivity to the presence of God. So they bring a harpist in, and he starts to play. And I don't know how hard it was to get him there. But they bring him in, and he starts to play. Now there's something I want you to know. The prophet Elisha, right now in the story, he doesn't feel like doing what he's doing, but he's doing it anyway. Okay? So Elisha didn't want to be there. He asked him, why why are you getting me involved? Why don't you just do what you've been doing? Call upon all these other gods, the gods of your, your mom and your dad. Why are you getting me involved? But he doesn't want to be there, but he's there anyway. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we don't want to do, but we need to just do it anyway because it's very important that we stay obedient. Do what God's called us to do. Okay? So Elijah's in this place. He doesn't want to be there, but he's there, and he stays, and he's doing it anyway. And I, I want you to know that sometimes we've just got to focus on God, dig our heels into the ground, and we just got to do it. And here's what the Bible says in verse 15. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. Oh, here it is. This is when the presence of God. Starts flowing okay. Elisha now he's he's been kind of bent out of shape so when the crowd's parting and and he sees the three kings and he's walking to him in my mind what he would be thinking is getting ready for this big speech he's thinking of trying not to punch them okay he's mad he's he's pretty fed up with them because now they all of a sudden need God they're stuck between a rock and a hard place and now they need God so he comes in and he speaks to him. He says, bring me a harpist. They bring a harpist. And all of a sudden, the mood, the atmosphere changes. For who? For Elisha. Okay. The atmosphere changed for Elisha. He got to a point where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit started flowing. Okay. The hand of God came upon Elijah. Elisha. And Elisha the prophet starts getting in the presence of God and the words start flowing. And now the kings are watching. I mean, I can imagine when people get in the presence of God, it usually has a physical manifestation right? It's not just, I don't know if they're in the presence. When people are in the presence of God, something on the outside starts to show up. So Elisha, he starts to get in the presence of God and the kings are watching him and they're like, yes, there we go. There we go. All right. All right. See, he's starting to cry. He's crying. Oh, look at it. He's starting to do this to a harp. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the harpist is popping it. You know, he's popping it down, down. You know, I don't know what he's playing. But uh, Elisha starts feeling it with the harpist, okay? And the kings start to realize it. So one king looks at the other, and he goes, here it comes. Here it comes. Here, it comes. here it comes the word of God. God's about to send rain. God's about to send rain. It's about to rain. They look at God. God's working. See, I told you to call the prophet. I told you we need God. You know, and they're like, I, I knew we needed God. And they're getting all excited, and this word comes, and it starts to get exciting, But they were probably not expecting uh, Elisha to say what he said. So really, I want you to get the picture today. The prophet Elisha calls for the harpist. The harpist starts playing. The atmosphere immediately starts changing. Let me show you what I mean. See, when the music started playing, things got different. I can imagine Elisha just listening. Everybody leaves him alone for a moment. He's probably thinking to himself, God, I'm sorry for being angry with them. But I don't know why. I don't know why they, just now, they're turning to you. I don't know why, God, I don't know how the nation's gotten so far away from you. I don't know exactly what he says or what he prays. But we do know that the atmosphere changed. And the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha as he was there. And he's praying. See, sometimes that's what we need is we need an inspiring moment, an inspiring atmosphere. You know, when we're preparing for the services on Sunday, and we're praying over you to be here, we pray that when you come into this place, this is what you feel. That you feel inspired. That you feel passion. That you feel something stirring up inside of you. Trying to come out of you. Inspiration is awesome. But you need to understand that it's not just about inspiration. But it's about preparation. And there's a difference in inspiration and preparation. See, we, we want you to come into the exchange. We want you to feel inspired. But we also want to prepare you. To help you prepare for what God has for you outside of this place. See, God has a plan for your life. And God's plan for you is to connect to His kingdom. And if you connect to His kingdom, then immediately you connect to His purpose. And when we think about God's purpose and God's plan for your life, you need to understand that there's a difference between inspiration and preparation. Inspiration is great, but here's the thing. In the story, the harpist starts playing. The atmosphere is changing. The Bible says the hand of the Lord came over Elisha. And Elijah says this. This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. That kind of ruined the moment, right? I mean, the king, the kings. I imagine they're probably doing this. You know, one of them's over here. One of them, he's pacing. You know, one of them's standing like this. One of them, you know, they're the king, and and the kings are looking at their servants, telling them, Hands up, you know. Hands up, up. kneel down, somebody do something, we need God. And they're all doing whatever they could do. You know, some of them kneeling, some of them standing, they don't know. They're like, (laughs) you know, they're just, they're worshiping and, and, you know, they're praying. And all of a sudden, Elisha stands up, this is what the Lord, the word of the Lord says. And the king's like, yes, yes. And he says, make this valley full of ditches. Did he say, make it, ditches? Did he say, dig ditches? Or say, we're about to do the dishes. What did he he say? No, he said ditches. He said dig ditches. Dig ditches? We're thirsty. We're thirsty. We're real thirsty. We can't dig ditches. We have spears, not shoals. I know, but he said dig ditches. Why did he say dig ditches? You see what I'm saying? This is not exactly what they wanted to hear. They're in the desert. They're already dehydrated. They're already dealing with the heat exhaustion. They are at the end of the rope. Everything is falling apart. And they wanted to hear a shortcut. They wanted to hear, oh, I hear a sound of the abundance of rain. Get ready. It's coming. It's coming. And they were all going to start dancing. And, and everybody, I was going to start preaching like a black pastor. It's coming. It's coming. Ha. He's coming. Ha. God's coming and the rain's coming. Ha. Right? that's what they wanted to hear and that's not what he said he said dig ditches dig ditches and the troops that were laying down and heat exhausted they even looked up everyone wants a shortcut and that's exactly what the kings wanted they wanted a shortcut we want a shortcut to get our our marriage back in order okay we want a shortcut we want we want our, our husband or our wife to wake up the next morning just completely changed and different. Supernaturally that God just came in. And, and then now we've got this storybook marriage happy ending. Want the shortcut. God's not a shortcut kind of God. See, the mute, mood music is playing. And God wants you to know he's not a shortcut God. God is your only solution. There's not a shortcut. There's not an easy way around. God is the only solution that we have in life. It's it. It's it. There are people that are successful and there are things going on. But listen, when you need something supernatural to happen in your life, God is the only solution. All we want is greater things. But listen, faith is... Uh, faith without works is dead. We have to do something about it. And the first thing that you have to do is you have to understand that God wants greater for you, but God is your only solution. And sometimes we just want a shortcut. We want a shortcut, God. If all all we want is God to do greater things, that's not faith, that's idolatry. Because that becomes worshiping the created things above the Creator. That reminds me of the story of the children of Israel. God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You remember this story? And here's what's really interesting about the story. You ask most people in the church about this story, most of them, if you ask them, what was God's plan with the children of Israel when they were enslaved in captivity in Egypt? Most people will say God was pulling them out of Egypt to send them to the promised land. Ultimately, at the end of the story, that is true, but that's not what God told Moses to do. So you go and read that and over and over it's like 10 or 11 times God says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Now you got to understand, the children of Israel at this time, the Bible says they did not know God. They didn't have a relationship with God. okay? God tells Moses, He says, "You go and you tell Pharaoh to let my children go so that they can worship me in the desert." See, the ultimate plan was a promised land. But God's saying, let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. Why? Because if God would have pulled the children of Israel straight out of captivity, sent them straight to the promised land, they would have fallen in love with the promises of God before they fell in love with who God was. See, the Bible talks about Moses. Moses found God in the desert. See, there's something about being in a dark, deserted place, being alone, being kind of at the bottom, And so they didn't know God, and so they had to first find out who God was. The promises of God is on its way, but first we have to have faith in God, not faith in just the promise. Faith in who God is. And if I think that God's going to do a miracle like a magic trick, I'm going to be disappointed because miracles aren't magic tricks. Faith is not a lottery ticket. Faith is a work order. You want to see rain? Elijah's telling them, and I'm telling the exchange this morning. You want to see rain in your life? Dig a ditch. This is what Elisha says. Verse number 15. Then it happened. When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. You want God to bless your life? Put him first in your finances. Be generous. Get a budget. Learn how to sow into the kingdom. So this is what happens. We get into an atmosphere and the music is playing and we start to say, God, I feel it. I feel, that just, I feel your spirit moving. God, I know you're about to do something. I know that you're going to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And you're going to turn my finances around. And it's going to be a miracle. And then the music stops and we go home, we walk out of service and we check the bank account and the bank account is not on the same page with the inspiration that we felt when we were inside the church, right? Or we get home, we're in church and you you reach over and you grab your spouse's hand and you, you feel inspired that God's about to do something in your marriage. You made it to church this morning, you put on a fake smile. Come on, don't act religious, we do this sometimes put on a fake smile and you just said, okay, I'm not going to get out. <laughs> and you just make it through because you're mad. You came into church mad. And all of a sudden the music starts playing, the inspiration. And you grab their hand and you think, you know what? Today is different. God's going to do something. But then the music stops and we walk out of this place. Reality starts to set back in. When the harpist Starts playing, the inspiration is there, but when the inspiration is, or when the harpist stops, the inspiration isn't quite flowing. That's where faith begins. Not to just ask God for rain, but be willing to dig a ditch in preparation before you ever see a cloud in the sky. See, you need rain, so you want me to dig a ditch. You want rain, you want me to dig a ditch. I'm broke, I have no money, and you're asking me to give. To sew, to put my, doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. But God is trying to help you prepare for the miracle that is promised and it's on its way. Wouldn't it be awesome if the band, if our band just followed us around everywhere we went? And anytime we needed inspiration, you just look at them and they just strike up the band and they just start playing. In the most uh, tough and difficult times the band just starts playing. You walk in, you see that pile of dishes or dirty laundry in your house and all the stack of bills and you just you tell the band to start playing. They just start playing and then all of a sudden Pastor Jared pops out of the pantry (laughs) and he's like, you can do this. You can do this. These dishes are nothing. (laughs) That pile of laundry is nothing. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and the band is you know, sitting there. Rigo's sitting on the the sink playing with the pots and pans. Eddie's standing up on the cabinet. You know, the band's just kind of jamming. That's not the way it works. My point is that life is not like that. And the truth is, when the music stops, when the music is over, you got to put the work gloves on and pick up a shovel. Because faith Without works is dead. I want you to repeat something after me because I want you to hear yourself say this. But only God can make it rain. But he wants me to dig a ditch. Okay, now do you get that? Only God can provide the miracle. Only God can make it rain. But he expects you to participate in this miracle. He didn't just say, dig a ditch. He said, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. Now, that's difficult to do. I want you to think about this, how hard it would have been in this dry season. It hasn't rained. I don't know if you've ever tried to dig when it hadn't rained in a long time. But when it's just been dry and dead, it is difficult And I'm a pretty big guy and I cannot dig a very good hole when it's completely dry and barren outside. When there's no clouds in the sky. And all your bones are weary and you're sore and you're dehydrated. And then God comes in and says, now listen, I want you to dig a ditch. But that's the nature of faith. The faith to get beyond the inspiration and get into a place of preparation in God's purpose. See, many people never see God do greater things because they assume that it's because God didn't move in their life. But I've learned it's not always about God moving. It's about you moving. Sometimes God doesn't move until you move. Sometimes we don't see the greater things because God's got the miracle waiting for us. But he said, first, dig a ditch. And we're like, well, that did not make any sense. I need rain. I don't need a ditch. I need rain. And God's saying, but I'm saying just dig a ditch. I don't need a ditch. I need rain. And so we're not preparing for what God has in store for us. But if you read your Bible, you see God constantly having people participate in their own miracles. Okay? Jesus looks at the guy with the withered hand. He says, stretch out your hand. And the guy's like, you want me to stretch out my hand? Okay, I have a withered hand. And you want me to... Sh-? Sometimes God just wants you to to participate in the miracle. He's going to ask you to do something not because he can't do it himself, but he's ex- expecting you to be a part of this. I had a guy in in our Bible school, we ran a program called Master's Commission our very first year. We started this program, we kept the tuition as low as we could. It was $3400, which is, you know, seems expensive if you're a college kid, but that is your room and board and everything for a year for from September to May. That's pretty cheap. So we got this program coming. I got this one guy. His parents aren't really helping him with his finances. He has no money, which most of our students came in pretty broke and, and not a lot of help. Well, this one guy, he came to me after prayer one day and he said, Pastor Jared, I got to tell you something. And I said, what's that? And he said, God's going to provide. God told me he's going to pay my tuition. And I was like, what? Wow, praise God. That's awesome, right? Isn't that what you would say? And I said, that, that's awesome, man. Thank God. And he's like, yeah. So God's going to pay my tuition. I've been stressed about it, and God's going to pay my tuition. It's done. I, so I'm, I'm good. And I was like, amen. Praise God. Um, like a month later, a guy comes to me and says, Pastor Jared, I need help um, cleaning out a garage. I've got all this stuff that's piled to the top. I need help. I need a couple guys. I'll give them 100 bucks a piece. To clean out this garage, so I go to this kid who needs money for his tuition. I said, "Hey, listen, I got a hundred bucks for you. I need you to go clean out this garage." And he says, "On a Saturday?" <laughs> He's like, "I can't do it on a Saturday." He said, I'm, "I need to do laundry. I need to catch up my books, my study." He's like, "I can't do. I can't do it on Saturday." I said, "What's a hundred bucks?" He's like, "No, oh, I can't do it. You can give it to somebody else." I was like, "Okay." This happened like three or four times. Uh, somebody wanted him to mow a lot, and I was like, Hey, man, this, they're gonna give you 150 bucks to mow this lot. Oh, I can't, I don't mow. Over and over, he kept saying that. And I asked him, I was like, What's going on? You won't do anything. He's like, Listen, God told me he's gonna pay my tuition. I don't need to work for all this money. And I'm like, Oh, my little friend, you don't see it, do you? Sometimes when we ask God to move a mountain, God gives us a shovel. And then we throw the shovel down and God pulls up a backhoe. And we're like, "I don't need a backhoe, God. I I believe that you're going to move this mountain." And God's like, "Yeah, with your help. And I'm going to provide it and you're going to do it." And that's the way God works. And all year long I kept telling this kid, "Listen, you got to do something." It gets towards the end of the year and you know how much money's come in for him? 0. 0. Everybody else's tuition, who wasn't even asking for help, was getting paid. People who had more than enough money, they got their missions trips paid. They got all kinds of stuff paid. But this one kid, who God told him, I'm going to pay your tuition, got to the end of the year, and God hadn't paid his tuition. Was it God? Absolutely not. It was him missing out on the preparation process for the miracle that was trying to take place. I can imagine God sitting up up in heaven going, "Come on, man. I got I just I've got 3, 3 different supplies that's going to come and bless you. You won't even you don't even acknowledge it." We laugh at this because it's pretty obvious what God's trying to do. It's hard for us to sow financially into the kingdom when we need financial breakthrough. That doesn't make sense. All these things start to get in our head. This student had to learn the difference between inspiration and preparation. There was a moment of inspiration when he was in prayer, and God said, I'm going I'm to provide. And you go, yes, I'm inspired. God is going to provide. But he forgot about the preparation process. God was saying, now dig some ditches. Dig some ditches. There's, so a news flash for you. God can make it rain, and he can also create ditches without your help. But he wants you to be a part of the process. That's exactly where he was with this guy in our our Bible school. In this pattern of God, there's a key for each of us in this season. There's an element of faith in believing God to do what only God can do. That God is the only solution to our problem. But there's an element of preparation that consists of you doing your part. See, there's a difference between our faith and the world's view of how this works. The difference between our faith and the way the world works is that the world prepares for something that they can achieve. And our faith is we prepare for something that we know we can't achieve without God. That's faith. That's what faith is. So if you're in a valley and you need God to send rain, you have to understand that God's asking you to dig ditches. You want to raise your kids. You want your kids to grow up and be in love with Jesus and be in love with God. Then take them to church. That's called digging a ditch. Be faithful to church. Every weekend when we miss church, what we're doing, we're teaching our kids what, the, what our values really are. We're not digging ditches. Does church make you saved? Absolutely not. You're just digging ditches. You're sowing into your children, into your children's children. You're sowing into their futures. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Sometimes we dig ditches in our preparation. And when we were building this church, when we were planting this church, we were digging ditches. We were digging ditches. When we started in our living room, we were digging ditches. When we moved into our uh, daycare, we were digging ditches. I remember getting into this building, and what impressed me was we got into this building, and everybody was celebrating, everybody was excited, and everybody... I mean, y'all remember that first Sunday? It was almost a year ago coming up in October, our first Sunday when we got to this building, and and we it wasn't about the building, it was about the property and the opportunity to grow and the opportunity to do something. We got into this building, everything changed. You remember that? I mean, from one Sunday at the other building to the very next week, the same group of people... And something changed. Everything changed. And the whole atmosphere changed. And I remember that service was a celebration. But what impressed me the most wasn't everybody clapping when the rain comes, but it was the people who were digging ditches before the first drop of rain ever even fell. The people who were giving, the people who were trusting, the people who were serving, the people who were praying, the people that were digging ditches before the rain ever came. Listen, when you dig the ditches, you get yourself ready and you prepare for something that God's about to do in your life. Now, I want to ask you honestly, how many of you need God? You could really use God to do something incredible in your life. Raise your hand. Come on, all over this place. I'm going to ask everybody, stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something different with me. Come to the front, everybody. We're not going to pass around a snake or anything like that. (laughs) Nothing like that. Nothing like that. I just want you to see how hot it is up here. Verses. I want to read this passage to you. And I'm I'm going to close with this thought in just a moment. So this is verse number 17. And we'll still follow along. But Elisha gives the second part of this prophecy. And this is the part that the kings actually wanted to hear. He says this. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Yet this valley is going to be filled with water. Listen, he's saying you're not going to see it coming. You're going to prepare for something that you don't see coming. But this valley is going to be filled with water. And your cattle and other animals will drink. And this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And he will also deliver Moab into your hands. And you will overthrow every fortified city and every town. And you will cut down every good tree. You will stop up all the springs. You will ruin every good field with stones. And the next morning, about the time of the offering of the sacrifices, there it was. Flowing from every direction of Eden and the land was filled with water. The land was filled with water. Listen, I don't know what rain you need this morning. I don't know what's lacking in your life or where you are. But I do know this, that God has asked you to start digging ditches. There's a supernatural miracle that's headed your way, but it takes preparation on your part, on my part. See, we serve a, a, a Hooperman kind of God. Y'all remember this service that the sermon that I, they're passing out. They, they jumped ahead of me, but that's okay. <clears throat> There's a service that I preached in, I think it was January of this year, talked about that Hooperman. I remember it had Mike, big Mike Guerrero, up here on stage. Helping me out. And we were talking about the fact that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. And he uses the word hooper. He wants to do hooper, abundantly, hooper. So it's exceedingly, abundantly, exceedingly. Okay? That's the kind of God we serve. So God wants to do more than what you could even ask, hope, or think. See, they were were thirsty. They were just thirsty. This is what they're praying for. We're thirsty. We need water. We're so thirsty. We need water. Isn't there a God? Can't God do something? If they would have woke up the next morning and there would have been water bottles at the foot of all their tents, they would have been satisfied. That's what they needed was water. But God had something greater exceedingly abundantly and above what they were asking so look again at what he says this valley will be filled with water and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink this is an easy thing for the Lord no big deal God can provide this like no big deal and then he says he will also even though you didn't ask for it you just wanted water he will also deliver Moab into your hands Woo! he will also help you overthrow every fortified city wow they're getting excited he will also Help you cut down every good tree. Also, you will step up, stop up all the springs. Also, you will ruin every good field with stones. You just wanted to drink water. God's going to give you Moab. God's going to give you every fortified city. God's going to help you cut down all those trees. God's going to help you stop all the springs. God's going to help you just ruin the fields. Because God is an abundant God over and above. When I asked you to dig ditches, it wasn't because I needed you to dig. I was wanting you to prepare because I was about to give you way more than rain. I just wanted you to step out in faith. God was saying it's not about you actually digging ditches but when you stepped out to dig a ditch you showed me that you activated your faith. You started believing in what you didn't know and when you activated that faith man my generosity just opened up. My generosity just opened up. This is what he's saying isn't that exciting? You see there's A difference in these miracles. We get excited and we want all these miracles to happen. And it's easy when we're in church to be inspired. Some of you are thinking about things that you need God to do in your life right now and you're inspired. But what happens when the music stops? What are we going to do when the music stops? When we leave here and the service is over. We get in our car, everybody's saying bye, and that inspiration is finished. Then what does it feel like? Then what do we do? What do we do when the music stops? I'm going to tell you what we do. We dig ditches. We dig a ditch. I had them pass out shovels. And, you know... These things can seem kind of funny, but to me, I've, I've been given gifts for years and years and years and honor chairs and, and different moments. Somebody would give me a gift. I have a car in there that it's a little, uh, uh, what do you call it? You put together all the Legos. Yeah, it's a Lego car. I couldn't think of the word, Lego. I play with it all the time. But I have a little Lego car, and my son came in there one day, and he got it, and he broke it and took it all apart. And I was like, whoa, what are you doing? Because that car was given to me as a gift. And somebody gave me that car and they said, this car is you spiritually in my life. You took me from one place to another place in my relationship with God that I never, I never thought would be possible. And they gave me that car and it meant something to me. I give you this shovel this morning, because it's not just a little kid's shovel that you play in the sand with. I want you to put this shovel somewhere, stick it on the mantle, on the counter somewhere, stick it in your bedroom, on the dresser, stick it on your bathroom sink, but put it somewhere. And when you see this, I want it to be a reminder to you to dig a ditch, that there's a ditch in your life that needs to be dug, because God's got a supernatural promise headed your way he just wants you first to activate the faith there are some people who have areas in your life that you've quit on God you've just given up I'm telling you dig a ditch if it's for your kids if it's for your marriage if it's for whatever it is dig a ditch and I hope you understand the symbolism what I'm saying when I say dig a ditch so so if you're in a financial situation and I know I, I say this with finances but the way you get out of financial situations is you give God control over your finances. You, you let him, you, you honor him and you say, God, the way I do that is I'm going to sow into your kingdom. So when Shelly and I are going through financial struggles and in our business, when we're stressed out, we take and we write a significant check and we sow. Because what that does, that activates. That, I'm digging a ditch. I'm digging a ditch. Jay every time they write a tithe check I see it all the time he writes in the memo what he's claiming to be out of debt he's, he writes it all the time what is he doing? giving he's giving because Pastor Jared needs a bigger salary no, no that's not the way it works here he's giving because we need a bigger no 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 no. he's giving because he's digging a ditch it's not about where that money it's about him activating his faith and digging a ditch Dig ditches for your children. Whatever that means, whatever, whatever that, I, I I keep using the financial thing, but it's not about finances, it's about everything. Start speaking life. Start speaking things into existence. Dig ditches. Dig ditches. Will you just close your eyes all across this place? Father, I pray right now. God, I pray right now for every individual that's in this place God all the people that are in this room, the people that are watching online God, all of the husbands and the wives and the families, God I pray right now over their situation God I, I, a lot of them are just like uh, the children of Israel, the people of Israel and they're, they're, they've are they're been marching and they've been giving all they had and they've come to a place where they're exhausted and they're drained and they're dehydrated spiritually And they need water. They need something from you, God. So I pray right now that you just begin to reveal in their life, the areas in their life that they can begin to dig. God, ditches that they can begin to dig, that they can begin to sow, God. Father, I pray right now, Lord, right now, God, that we'll activate that faith in our preparation for the miracle that's about to take place in this For the miracle that's about to take place in our marriage we activate that faith Jesus we call it into existence God we call it into existence that those needs that we have will begin to manifest God some of them I believe are going to begin to manifest today some of them tomorrow some of them in the next few weeks in the next few months God but you're about to manifest these miracles in our life And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said a big amen. 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 Come on, we give God a hand clap of praise.